There are some topics in school you may be asked about that are quite difficult to answer. One is, what is racism? Talking about racism can be hard. The brand new book, What is Racism? from Katie Danes and Jordan Akpajaro gives both children and adults the language and sensitivity they need to talk about the topic. What is racism? It gently explores what racism is, how it happens, why it's never acceptable and what each and every one of us can do to eradicate it. Published by Usborne in association with anti-racism educational charity Show Racism the Red Card, this thoughtful anti-racism book for young children is perfect from the ages four plus. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to another special edition of Two Mr. P's in a podcast for me, Mr. P. And the other Mr. P. And we are delighted to be joined by the hilarious author and comedian, the wonderful Beck Hill. Welcome, Beck. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, we're not too bad. I'm all right. You, Adam? Yeah, not too bad, Jay. We, we're recording this on hump day, so... Uh, I'm hoping that you can get me over that hump, Beck. I'm not going to lie, a bit of pressure on you. <laughs> All right. I'll work on it. I'll uh, <laughs> just heat up my hands. I don't know yeah. why that seems to work for Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> um, so we always sort of start these interviews by just asking how the whole sort of lockdown pandemic's been. Uh, obviously, it's been a tough, challenging time for a lot of people. Did, but did you manage to find anything positive out of the whole experience? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, as a whole, I found it really, uh, a really interesting way of seeing how everyone works during a crisis, essentially. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the um, uh, clapping for the NHS uh, stuff. I probably saw my neighbours more than I ever have yeah. in my entire life. Um, and that, that was a really nice sort of feeling of community and hope and spirit, which um, in London, you know, can be a little bit lacking sometimes. Yeah, I'm from Australia yeah. and, and I'm from Adelaide as well, which is a smaller city. So it's kind of got a, a more local flavour where I'm from, whereas here, I mean, yeah, you go ages without speaking to your neighbours at all. So it's yeah. just, uh, I, I quite liked that aspect of it, if you were going to take anything um, positive, positive from, it. from it. Oh, good, good. And um, well, we, 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 we know you've been busy as you've got a brand new book out that's out now, um, which is called Horror Heights, The Slime. Very, very, you know, straight away, that's going to get my kids hooked because they are obsessed with slime you know like making your own slime i think slime ever goes out of fashion no i made my own slime in school yeah yeah so well, it's come back like in if a big i made way. it in school <laughs> it certainly has <laughs> so um can you tell our listeners what they can expect from the from the book yeah uh so it's uh it's an account of a uh, a girl called connie who's 11 years old uh she is the uh, self-appointed queen of slime and she runs out of slime so she decides to make her own one day and adds a couple of extra ingredients to the recipe with uh, horrific consequences right 
Interesting. Interesting. So would you <laughs> so would you say it's sort of like a spooky, sort of child-friendly horror genre? Is that where it sort of fits? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, this all came about because like, my background is, is normally in stand-up and, uh, and I travel a lot. And so whenever I'm staying in a, in a new town or city or wherever I am in the world, I like to ask, you know, I usually hang around after gigs and find out what's happening and what the stories are. And like every place you go to has spooky stories. And uh, there was one that had like a whole bunch that all happened at the same time. So it's sort of based on all of that. Um, right. So I wanted to sort of retell that, but uh, with my sort of flair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, um, I so I think it was always going to be spooky because that what it, that's what it was originally. Yeah. Um, where yeah. was that place, by the way? Where was it? Where it all? Oh, happened, I so? I can't say. I can't right. say. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's why I'm, I've dubbed it Horror Heights for everyone. Right. Yeah. And uh, to keep the innocent innocent. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what, the character of Connie, was it based on anyone inspired? Was it based on you when you were younger or anything like that? Yeah, she's a, she's a mix of, uh, um, of, uh, of the original. There's, um, she's also named after my niece, Connie, yeah. who uh, is up in, um, I've, uh, I want to say Okhtamakti, but I don't think that's it. I can't remember. Somewhere with a very Scottish name, she's, she's is up there right okay <laughs> uh and uh and also yeah a little bit a little bit of myself i mean connie is a character who doesn't you know she's kind of okay at a lot of things but not the best at anything and yeah. i was a lot like that as a kid i didn't know like there's a lot of things that i was like oh like i'd love to be an author or i'd love to uh you know i i wanted to be neil buchanan i wanted to stand up but there's a lot of things I was like I want to do but none of them were things at the time that had any sort of course yeah. <laughs> or like educational system and so um I didn't know what I wanted to do officially yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like Connie in a lot of those senses yeah she's not a hundred percent sure what her main talent is and I get that now you mentioned Neil Buchanan then but you said you grew up in Australia so did you have art attack over in Australia we did we got art attack yep it was a, a huge impact on uh for anyone who's seen my um stand up i use a lot of sort of arts and crafts and i use these flip charts that i make and i think a lot of a lot of those stemmed from very very simple techniques that yeah. i'd used for greeting cards and stuff that i'd learned from art attack and then made massive <laughs> where, where did he where did he go like that that's what I, I don't understand it. It's not like the sh art attack ran its course and there wasn't a place for it anymore. It was it it it's missed now. I would watch it now with my kids. If yeah, you can go in. Well, but, uh, you'll just have to watch Makeaway Takeaway on CITV. Well, there we go, yeah. The new the new one and it yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was an absolute staple back in the day. I mean, we the problem the problem for us was I used to watch it all the time and really, really want to do it, but never had PVA glue. Like we never had PVA glue in the house, which meant that we could never do any of the art attacks because everything needed PVA glue. We never had it. 
It's so true. We didn't have it either when I was growing up. And um, in fact, a lot of the makes on Makeaway Takeaway, um, some of them do do need PVA, but there's a lot of them where we, anyone who's watching will hear, you know, or you could use glue stick or you could use tape or you could use double side. Like there's always a, there's yeah, always yeah. another thing you could use that gives the same effect. So um, yeah. And I think actually a lot of my stuff came about from not having the right things and yeah. using what was at home. So, I mean, my recycling, most of it ends up in, <laughs> in stuff that I make doesn't really make it to the curb <laughs> yeah yeah just sort of like yeah having to adapt and think on the spot and that sort of thing um now just going back to the book it has been described as goosebumps for the new generation which is quite you know again both myself and Adam being 90s I know kids. no pressure right <laughs> I know I know because it's like that was a staple pot goosebumps massive when we were kids um I mean, was it something you used to read when you were younger, R.L. Stein's collection? <laughs> yeah, I not only read it, and I not only still have most of my copies, although they are back in Adelaide, um, but I remember my best friend Penny and I were so obsessed with it. She had a Goosebumps-themed birthday party. Really? And I was so excited about it that I wore my Goosebumps pyjamas to it because nice. I was like, well, it's got goosebumps written on it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, ju I just, um, it was my favourite thing in the world. And what was your favourite goosebumps story from back in the day? So it's, um, uh, I, it's a cross between um, The Haunted Mask, which is the one where she's, she, it's um, like a high school, school Halloween party and she, gets the mask or middle middle school I should say and the yeah. mask starts adhering to her skin really right. cool yeah, yeah um Scarecrow and Scarecrow walks at midnight which is just like such a nice take on the sort of monster zombie type character thing yeah, yeah. but you added did you were you a fan I, of yeah I like the uh I always remember the is it the night of the living dummy is that one Oh yeah, classic. There was loads of them as well. That that yeah. there were loads of sequels to yeah. it because Slappy the Dummy was so popular. Yeah, Slappy the Dummy. Yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those goosebumps. What I liked about it was they weren't that long. I, I always, I used to get intimidated by by books that were were well too long. So goosebumps, I feel like, were a nice nice length for me. And the, and the dummy, you know, he could have put all of those stories into one big book and I wouldn't have gone near it. Um, but, you know, the fact that... He oh, absolutely. Parts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, am I right? It was, it was a TV show as well, Goosebumps, wasn't it? There was a TV show, yeah. And I think some of it's on Netflix, actually, now. Really? Um, uh, and it was one of those fun sort of bit over the top you know, that yeah. sort of had that sort of Nickelodeon vibe. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. I actually found Are You Afraid of the Dark to be scarier. And I, I was actually it was just really low budget. And there's something. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to say that's what we were we were brought yeah. up on. Was it when they, did, you the like, did you used to like throw some in the fire? Sand yeah. into the fire, didn't you? Yes. Like, yeah. But it made it go sparkly. 
and I've always tried to find out what that is. Like I remember yeah. I, I've many a time tried throwing salt, sugar, various powders into fire to see what makes it sparkle like that, makes it crackle. Be careful. I haven't Be found it yet, careful. but I have nearly set fire to a lot of dinner tables. Yeah, anytime there's a candle, get in trouble to, to yeah. this day. Don't do it. Don't It'd do be it. funny if it turned out to be like class A drugs. Like every time they went into that field to tell stories, <laughs> it was because they were all absolutely off the face. <laughs> but I remember that because that it's was actually, well, actually it's a, it's a meeting, a support meeting and they're throwing the drugs into the fire to stop, you know, <laughs> yeah. saying, get that out. Stop it. That's bad for you. What was it called? Was it Midnight Society? On behalf of the Midnight Society, I call this story. And that was how they did that. I'm right in thinking that. that. Yeah. I just yeah. keep thinking, like, the next time we see you, Beck, and you've got no eyebrows, we're, we're both going to be thinking, she's, are you afraid <laughs> of the dark, dick? She's, she's only going to know you're afraid of the dark, <laughs> dick. Yeah. But they, they, were, they were scary stories back in the day. I remember watching them and being a, petrified. Yeah. They were. I think they... there's something about when stuff is made on a budget, uh, it means means you can't like every well in horror it's always scarier if you can't see what it is entirely because yeah. your your imagination will always make it the scariest thing that you can like you know if you don't know what it is that's that's so much scarier yeah. than seeing what it is and i think when when horror is done on a budget that's what they have to do and it ends up being terrifying because you're not entirely sure what you're supposed to be looking at whereas when there's loads of budget and they can like cgi monsters and put all this yeah. stuff in then you don't need your imagination anymore i i think that's why like a film like jaws stands the test of time because the beauty of that is the fact that for most of the film you don't even see it so yep absolutely it's, and that's what makes sorry, sorry i didn't go on no i was just gonna say it's such a shout i've never really thought of it like that but like when you see like those big budget or well, those horror movies that go massive like the Blair Witch and the what paranormal activity and stuff like that they were made mm-hmm. on sho- shoestring budgets weren't they and it's because yeah it's it's such a good point I've learned something today thank you <laughs> there you go yeah I'll, I'll give you why, that is also why so many student filmmakers end up making horror because it's the easiest yeah. thing to make on a budget <laughs> true I'll tell you a good example of that though where for the first part of the film, it's really good. But then as soon as you see what the sort of monster is, it's ruined. Jeepers Creepers. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think like the first half an hour of that is brilliant. But then as soon as it's yeah. revealed what it is, you're just like, oh, yeah, never mind. But that, I, get, I suppose that's the beauty of writing, isn't it? That's why books are always better than the films in lots of ways because your imagination is more powerful than whatever you see on the screen so being able to picture it through reading a book is always more more powerful isn't it um so is is like horror your favorite movie genre is that would you say uh yeah i would i i, I would say just genre in um in general well, i think comedy horror is a big one i love comedy horror Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite films. Yeah, is that? I just think it's so cynically Chris done. Chris Hemsworth in it. Uh, oh, is that the remake? Yeah, it does. Scott. Um, uh, is that Eli Roth. No, this one. I I'm not sure. It's Wes. Um, not Wes. 
No, I forgot. Uh, it, it was it was Chris Hemsworth, wasn't it? Chris Hemsworth is in it, and the director yeah, yeah. writer is oh Josh Weldon, Buffy, Josh. Uh, no, Josh Weedon. Oh yeah, Josh Weedon. Josh Weedon. Oh, yeah, that's Drew... it. Josh Weedon. Can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> to be fair, I'm acting like um, I never. I have just yeah, googled it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. It's oh. uh, it's very good. Yeah, I get it's it on my very, watch. It's very, very good. My watch list for Halloween. Uh, and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That's a that's a lovely one. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just it, it's just the premise of like what if the you're watching it, but the scary like the scary bad guys aren't actually scary or bad. They're just lovely people, and it's all perception. It's all like <laughs> from a different angle. Yeah, yeah, it looks like these kids are these high schoolers terrifying these two hillbillies that just want to do up their their cabin it's delightful yeah tucker and dale versus evil it's a really fun dumb film yeah yeah Yeah. it's a good one to watch with friends when you have them over my favorite well you know check it there's still violence in it maybe check it before showing children (laughs) yeah (laughs) won't show it year five tomorrow uh my favorite's always shawn of the dead for the horror comedy oh yeah 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 you can't go yeah um right so yeah going back to so uh, like i i know you from your sort of famous um the, the fantastic sort of flip chart skits you do to music which are just absolutely unreal um the the sort of the, the misheard lyrics one i think i saw a clip on um is it out eight out of ten cats oh yeah, yeah i think that's that's the first time i sort of saw it and it is just absolutely incredible. So, where where does the where did you first get the idea f- to do that to begin with? Like, where did the sort of inspiration for that come from? Yeah, um, I mean, well, the flip charts themselves. I started quite early on, uh, maybe like after doing stand up for about a year uh, back in Adelaide, because there was the audience is the same audience all the time. Well, when I was there, anyway. Uh, yeah. so so many years ago um, <laughs> um so because it was the same people every time you had to keep writing new material because otherwise they've seen it all before and so I started experimenting and uh came up with a sketch idea but I didn't have a partner to do the sketch with and I didn't want to just like pull someone out of the audience because you, you never know how they're gonna yeah, go with it's it. unpredictable so I drew it as a picture and then gave the characters moving mouths so right. I could do, because I can't do voices. I can just do Australian. That's, that's all I do. <laughs> so I was trying to like show the mouths moving so that you could tell which character was talking in this sketch. And uh, I mean, the sketch was fine, but the reaction to the moving mouths and the, and the mechanics of it was really strong. And I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something here. And so I started yeah. doing more and more with that. And then the misheard lyrics came in. Actually, I was doing a show about regrets um, years ago at Edinburgh Fringe, and I wanted, I like opening my shows with a piece of music and doing something to it so that, you know, when you sit down, you sort of got a, something to sort of sink your teeth into before you go into like, blah, 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 you know, just, yeah. it feels more official, it feels like the show's starting, mm-hmm. and, and so I thought, oh, I'll start. Uh, but I'll do it to something that is about regret. So I was like, oh, non-genogretrian, classic. Yeah. And then, yeah, I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I've 
I always think it sounds like she's singing no rear to rear. I was like, okay, I, I like drawing bums. We can do something <laughs> with this. And then I just, yeah, went that. So I think that was the first Miss Heard lyrics one. And then after that going down, it ended up becoming the closer for the show because it was so, it, it went down so well with audiences that I was like, I can't open the show with this because then I don't go anywhere from here. Fall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. downhill. So uh, got moved to the uh, to the end. And then, yeah, but I just had sorts of different misheard lyrics with that. Yeah, they are they are brilliant. And I mean, how talk us through the process with it? So you know, because there are so many sort of elements to it. What what is it that you, the song finds you, or you find the song first, and then you work from there, or like how how yeah, long would is... it take to do like one of those skits? Is it quite quick, or uh, so is... I think. No, yeah, I think the, um, so the Edith PF one, that I probably spent uh, at least two weeks listening to that song on repeat and making sure that, because it's one thing to have like, oh, you know, I, I mishear this one line from this song, yeah. but to do an entire song and you want it to be funny, you want each thing to be funny. Yeah, yeah. So I spent ages listening to it, trying to think of what could it could be misconstrued as and what visually works better. Sometimes a misheard lyric for something visually isn't interesting. So right. you kind of have to, you know, there's some way people go, oh, well, I think it says this. And it's like, yeah, but if I draw that, that's not entertaining. So, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, and it's probably roughly the same for the other ones that you've seen where they have, I have just done them as medley where I've taken different bits from different songs uh, so in that case, they're a bit more work because what will happen is I'll spend two weeks listening to various songs that sort of from memory, really trying to remember. The last one or two I made of those, though, I crowdsourced. I actually like put it out there and said, does anyone have any misheard ones that they think? And the yeah. key to that was to find ones that I hadn't heard before because there's so many that people love quoting. But yeah. you do that and it's not original. You know, it's not a surprise. Yeah. People want, like surprise is such a huge element of comedy. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, yeah. So I, um, I would do that for about two weeks. And then with the medley ones, I'll listen to them. And while I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, how would this look? What roughly would the movement be? And then I'll storyboard them as individual pages. And then I have to work out what order the songs would go in that would work best pacing. Yeah. yeah. Both audibly, because it'll it's a bit like if you have a fast song going to a slow song and then a fast song, that can be a bit jarring. Yeah, yeah. But also because if you if you know if some if an idea that you have, for instance, um, I think the one that I did on eight out of ten cats medley one the last page is um uh i'm not a i'm not a cake <laughs> my chemical romance um and that is such that is the end of a song and it's a really epic piece so it sounds like the ending to something already yeah and so yeah. then i just had to keep doing bigger and bigger things on it that sort of got bigger and bigger so it yeah ends it with like a balloon that you know blow up and pop and everything and yeah, I can't have that halfway through the bit. I can't go at the beginning. So it's it's all about ordering and lots of 
Um, I've got a guy called Frankie who I send my files to when I'm doing those ones and he puts them in a nice order and sometimes does little links between them and then he'll send it back and I'll say, oh, no, that sounds rubbish or that sounds great and then we'll <laughs> move stuff around and they start making it, which takes about a month in itself. Yeah, I mean, it is... It's so impressive because it's, you know, it's not just sort of uh, image. It's the way it all comes to life and you've got all different, again, like almost you said before, like little art attacks coming out with the different 3D elements. It's just absolutely, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's um, so, so clever and sort of original. Like I've never seen anything like it before, really. Oh, well, thank you. I think that's, yeah, I think that's, the originality comes from the not having the things that you would normally, you know, that you would normally work with. I've um, spoken to a few different paper engineers who will be like, oh, why don't you do this? Um, uh, well, you know, they'll have these, because they some paper engineers, they do proper three, you know, pop-up books and yeah, so yeah. they'll have all these meticulous folding mechanisms that do this stuff and they're beautiful, but that I'm like, yeah, but I'm operating it, so I'll just put some string there. <laughs> and I'll just pull the, I'll pull the fishing line. It's yeah. much easier, and it actually looks cooler because it looks a bit magical. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. yeah, it makes it a bit more fun. I have a cupboard full of just random things that you know, packaging stuff that I think, oh, that might look interesting on a page. So <laughs> every now and then, I'll just open up the cupboard and stare at it and see what looks interesting. I bet you've got cupboards like a teacher's <laughs> stock room. Where you just because that's what teachers are like. Just keep anything for years, just in case we do like an art project, and then you can start using it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Except <laughs> I've visited many schools, and the stock cupboards are much neater than mine. Right. Yeah. Mine's yeah, kind of yeah. like I'm kicking it in just to get the door closed. You know. <laughs> Never open it in public. That's right. It's, it's only a matter <laughs> not without of a hard hat on. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before you, you get someone saying to you, like, you know what would work better if you use PVA glue? You just be like, don't take the piss. <laughs> get out. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Right out. Yeah. Well, sure, it... if I want to peel it off my hands. Yeah. It is amazing to but think, though, that, you know, without it back in the day, if you'd have had that PVA glue, you wouldn't have gone on to be so creative with the. Yeah. So. You know, I think yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, in, a way, in a way, in a way, everything works its way back to Neil Buchanan. <laughs> I think that's what we can all we can all agree on. <laughs> He's like the the thing that connects all of us, isn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just can't. And yeah, the head, the, the Roman Caesar head, on he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think I wrote a tweet once. I'm going to try and find it now after this. I wrote a tweet where it was just that, you know, this is, this is art attack. And then Neil throws open his arms and the camera pulls out until it just shows earth. And that's the ultimate reveal that he is God. (laughs) (laughs) That's maybe, that's maybe where he's gone. That's why we've not seen him anymore. Yeah. He's also playing in his heavy metal band, which is not a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think he sunk a lot of his time into that afterwards. He's probably quite nicely retired somewhere, I hope. Well, he deserves it. He deserves it after everything he's done, the way he's inspired so many. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so you were you were born and raised in Adelaide. So when did you come over to England then? When uh, I moved over here in two thousand and eight. Right. So I actually okay. First, and then I was there for a year, and then came down to London. Uh, and yeah, I was only meant to be here for two years because uh, I thought, oh, I'll um, you know get my comedy chops on, you know, do it like a comedy boot camp. And then go back home and be like, wow, look at all the skills I've learned. And uh, the, <laughs> it's so competitive over here. For sta- well, you know, when I started, it was so competitive for stage time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no one had, knew who I was or had seen me perform. So you're starting from the very, you know, I'd already had an hour long show under my belt by then, but, but you're starting from scratch. It's totally new, new uh, circuit. So yeah. I, yeah, two years later, I was, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not really far enough to feel like this is worth <laughs> going back with. And then, uh, yeah, of course, now that I've, you know, got a decent career, I've also got lots of friends and yeah, yeah. the life, you know, yeah, in-laws, everything. So <laughs> got to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> got to stay. Um, I mean, you get better weather here, I'm sure, than in Australia. Uh, why would you say that i know um (laughs) we are once again proud to be sponsored by moshi the number one sleep and mindfulness app i can't believe i'm still having to say this as surely everyone who listens to the podcast has already signed up but you can access moshi for free as an educator You may remember that I was creating some exclusive lessons for Moshi and they now have all been uploaded to the site. They added extra dimension with an added focus on SEL and digital literacy. My passion for using technology creatively to enhance and transform the curriculum I feel is really reflected in all of these lessons and I'm just so excited to see what you all think. Head over to moshikids.com forward slash moshi dash four dash schools dash Mr. P and you can access them all for free. I'll put that link in the description, the show notes. Go and check it out. So what was it like? What was it like in school in Australia? I mean, I don't know if you how familiar you are with, with school in the UK, but is there anything you know is fairly different between the two um if you were going to school in australia compared to the uk uh on and, and just generally how how did you find school is it something you enjoyed did you like it or you know look back and sort of hate that time of your life uh i i i, I liked school i you know i wasn't like this is my favorite thing in the world but at the same time uh at the same time i you know, I definitely didn't hate it. I think I just hated getting up in the mornings more than actual school. <laughs> I think I liked school. It's where my friends were. Yeah. Um, but the differences, I mean, firstly, everyone ate their lunch outside all the time because you could. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I find it weird. Like none of my schools had a cafeteria. To me, that's like something that either posh schools have or American. Like I always thought it was a very American thing. It's like right. somewhere indoors to eat a lunch hall or whatever. That's yeah. a weird concept to me. Uh, we had a tuck shop, 
you know, yeah. you're like a canteen where you'd line up and you get your pie <laughs> and then you go and sit on the grass. Um, but most kids brought their packed lunch. Like most of the time, kids pack their lunch. Uh, well, or parents pack their kids' lunch. Yeah. Um, that So that was a big, weird one. Uh, and another one is just the year levels get, because in Australia, it's like, okay, reception's the weird one where, you know, it's like year zero for those yeah. maths nerds out there who feel <laughs> that that's important to have. And then, and then you've just got year one to 12 and that's it, you know? Yeah. And over here, you've got like, it goes from years to levels. Like, why would you change the game up now? I've just worked out how this works. Why are you shifting? I, whenever anyone says, like, have you got your A-levels or O-levels? I'm like, I don't know. I was at school to the end. And then, right. I, then I left because it was over. So do you not, so are there no sort of exams? that? How, how so like with, with. Yeah, your year 12 exams. Oh, they're just called year 12 exams. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, we have everything. We have SATs. We have GCSEs that you do at 16, then you do your A levels at 18. I think we might have, I think we might have GCSEs. Yeah. I can't remember. And I think that's because in my head, I was like, oh, no, it's the exam that goes at this point. So let's just call them spade a spade. (laughs) Yeah. Year 11 exam. Those letters are all in there for you guys. They're for the teachers. (laughs) Yeah, well, true. All those yeah. things. They're just that people, you know, the admin people know how to organize it. But like, if you're actually doing it, right, I don't need to know what your, all of your codes and stuff are. <laughs> I'm not the one filing things. <laughs> how did you get on with those exams? Because <laughs> I'm getting a sense. <laughs> <laughs> the fact you didn't did know well, what they actually. were called. Did all right, yeah? No. I did well. I didn't end up using them. I didn't end up going to, I, I, def, I got into uni, but I deferred it for a year because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then during that year off, I entered a stand-up competition and, and then went, I will do whatever I need to do to support this new comedy habit. <laughs> really? And, and what, and what inspired that? What, what was the, what got you into entering that competition? Was that the sort of role you played when you were at school? Were you the sort of class clown almost, like the Joker? Yeah, I was absolutely the class clown. Um, I, I think I, I came second in the class clown uh, for the class clown sort of award at the end of, you know, end of school. And, uh, and my one of my best mates, uh, Pete at the time, he, um, who, he and I both had this exact same sense of humour and he came in first. Which I think is rigged. What's he doing? He went on to be a policeman. So who's the real funny one, huh? (laughs) I know, yeah. He got that wrong. What did he go on to do that's so useful? I bet he he kills it at the police station. (laughs) I I think he would too, honestly. I think, yeah. He's, um, uh, it was a good influence on me. So, um, yeah, that was, I think it was always, weirdly, comedy was never a, a job opportunity. Uh, I didn't even know you could be a stand-up comedian yeah. because there were so few, um, like we had the ones that were always on rotation on Australian TV, but it was nowhere near like what you have over here. Yeah. Well, I think we had had two panel shows and one was called The Panel. I mean, that's, 
They really thought long and hard about that one. Got, got, got level 12, what is it called? Or year 12 exams. <laughs> the panel. It's just like... I mean, it's, it's, it's it might have all changed now. It might have, like, who knows? I mean, it's been 13 years. They've got more channels. We had five channels when I left. I still... I, I went back and I was like, I don't recognise any of these channels. I still can't get over. Like, if I walked into a school in England, any school, and they didn't have a hall, I'd be like, where am I? Like, what am I doing here? And the fact that you were like, every school has a hall. I mean, that is a... If you're, if you, it's like a family fortunes question. Name something you'd find in a UK school. A school hall would yeah. be right at the top. We, I mean, oh, we had like, we had a hall where you did like assembly and stuff. Well, yeah. no, in primary school we had a multi-purpose hall, which was where you did assembly and anything. You know, like if there was like a dance workshop, choir, all the things were in the school hall. Did you have um, a blue climbing frame in it? the floor. Were they in Australia? No, 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 no. We didn't. We didn't have any climbing. We didn't have any indoor gym stuff. Although I think my primary school now has a gym, which feels again. I'm like, I mean, we didn't even have air conditioning when I was there. If it got over 37 degrees, you got to go home at one o'clock, and if it got over 40 degrees, you didn't have to come to school. So oh, amazing. I feel like a lot of a lot has changed since I was in primary school. <laughs> I've done a lot of research for these uh, books. Yeah, yeah. As I'm writing these Horror Heights ones, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep messaging various teachers and friends with kids and be like, like I had to ask someone the other day, would your kids know, your, if your kids got ended up somewhere without a phone, would they know what number to call to get a hold of you? Like, do they know your, your phone number? And they're like, no. No. And I was like, I can't. I still... I know my landline number from when I grew up. I know my dad. My dad was the first person to get a mobile phone in our family. And I, st I still know his number. he's got the same number. And I still know it off by heart because it was the first number I learned. I don't yeah. um, know my husband's number. I know my dad's. Do you know what? It's it's weird. I, I think I know my wife's, but I wouldn't know anyone else's. I know. Well, like growing up, I knew. I know, obviously, our house number when we grew up is, a, you know, I know that. And I know Nana's phone number. I know my mum's. I know my dad's. But yeah, I don't know my wife's. <laughs> uh, like, I, I definitely don't know my wife's. Um, but yeah, I can. I mean, my, like, mum and dad have never changed their number, have they, Lee? So no. I've got those placed in there. And I've got, I actually know a couple of my mates as well, just from back in the day when you used to have the house phone and you wanted to call one of your mates. Yeah. So I, used to, I, have, I have one of a couple of my mates in there. But yeah, if my kids got lost, they wouldn't, wouldn't have a Scooby. They wouldn't have a clue how to what what number to call or anything like that yeah and that's what i realized like i had this you know in one of the books i'm working on at the moment the, the kid and you know originally ended up somewhere not knowing where he was and i was like oh he goes into a goes into a petrol station and you know calls home and i was like hang on but you know what the number is do you know and, what i don't even have a landline yeah, the now. answer is no i don't i don't no, in my house, no, don't even have I don't. a landline yeah, we don't either. Crazy. But I think it's yeah. There you go. Well, if anyone wants to adopt any children, um, <laughs> these kids are ill-equipped. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, take him, take him. I always say, but they'd refund mine. They'd bring him back after a day. <laughs> Not these ones. You can have them back. Um, 
so what was your favourite subject at school? Which subject did you absolutely love? Uh, in high school, it was definitely drama. Um, yeah. And in fact, it was my drama teacher, um, who we call Mr. T, not to do with a team. It was more like, <laughs> your, I was going to say you're Mr. Peeners, but that, I'm not going to say that because that <laughs> sounds weird. Um, but uh, yeah, Mr. T was my drama teacher and, and uh, he was actually the first person who said that I should consider um, looking into doing a stand-up something to do with stand like not job wise but I think he was like oh you should you know go to a comedy club or something um when I finished school and he used to always cast me as the comic relief which I did not appreciate at the time because I was always going for the main role like I desperately wanted to be an actor yeah um but only because I liked being on stage not because I was like good at it you know or like yeah felt the need to tell a director or writer's story I, I just liked being on stage and he clearly you know recognized that was like well you're willing to make a fool of yourself we get you doing this instead yeah so what would so, what, what, what would yeah, one of your roles been favorite. what was one of the roles you played uh we did uh we did cozy which is uh which was turned into an australian film actually um right. which is about a theater um like a dramaturg who gets assigned to a just for a bit of extra work to a uh uh psychiatric hospital um to do it as a sort of acting therapy with the with the patients and there's this one patient played by uh barry otto who was in the in strictly boring which was the first big big baz lerman film yeah yeah um and uh, Barry Otto's character is uh, obsessed with opera, uh, obsessed with it, and in particular, Cosi Fantuti, and wants to put on this opera. <laughs> and this dramaturg's like, this is way out of my field. And eventually they end up doing it and sort of scraping it together. Um, yeah, that's a really, in- it's like, it's quite serious when I think about it. I mean, even now as an adult, I would be like, this covers some pretty heavy subjects. But yeah, yeah we were doing it like age 15, 16 or something. Wow. Um, and I played uh, Barry Otto's character. Mind you, I went I went to a, you know, government-funded co-ed school. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it, there were dudes who went for that role and didn't get it. And I did not go for that role. I went for the lead female role and got given the 50 to 60 year old man role um, <laughs> which I played the heck out of I loved it I had a great time and it was very well called and they, they yeah. keep in touch but with Mr. That's T that's the other thing I found very different I well I actually wrote Mr. T a letter during lockdown last year and right. I found out so Mr. T was married to Miss and uh, still is married to Miss Fairley who was my history teacher and she was also very encouraging of everything that I did even though I was awful at history she was really really supportive <laughs> and she uh I saw she was still working at my old high school oh, so I right. sent a letter via her hoping desperately that they hadn't like broken up since <laughs> then <laughs> um and they haven't and it got to and I didn't realize I thought it just never got to them and, and about 
oh, like maybe even nine months later, I think, yeah. I got a letter back just to say, oh, sorry, I've been meaning to reply to this for ages. Right. <laughs> and just <laughs> a, a really lovely update just on what Ian has barely been up to and how they're going. He's retired. How's retirement's going? Yeah, yeah. it was lovely. <laughs> oh, amazing. But he's not got anywhere, but he's afraid of flying. I ain't getting on no plane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't have put the airmail sticker on it. You're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I bet he must be really proud to see, you know, what you've gone on to do after his uh, his inspiration. It's amazing what teach the influence teachers can have and how it can encourage people to, oh, yeah. you know, go and follow their. I bet, uh, I bet their he dreams. says. I bet he says to people like, she wouldn't be where she is if I didn't give her that role as the dude, the fifty year old dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be right. He's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh. I think I think teachers. I've got so much respect for them. My brother's a teacher as well, and I just think like it's so much. Uh, there's so much cult, like higher up than celebrities. I think because I forget celebrities' names, but I remember like all of my favorite teachers. I remember all their names. I remember what they look like. Like I will, I carry that with me, and I can talk about them at length. But, yeah. uh, you know, I might have occasional favorite celebrities, but they'll change and they might yeah. get cancelled. You know, like <laughs> there's like so many. I just I just think, yeah, I, I've got one friend that stopped doing comedy and went on to teaching. And she was sort of saying, well, you know, sometimes I wonder if I should have stuck with comedy. And I'm like, dude, you're going to end up arguably like more famous than anyone that we know through comedy. Yeah. Every year, there's like 30 kids that go away with your name and face emblazoned in their in their history. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. It's really interesting. You know, times when up you think, by 10 years teaching. That's 300. Yeah. It is, and it's like such a special relationship and bond you make with the kids that, like you say, they remember for the rest of their lives. So it is. Um, it is special. It is one of the more sort of positive elements of teaching, definitely. Um, you said there that you remember all your favourite teachers. What about the least favourite? Was there any subject? I mean, was that the subject that you didn't like? I get which whichever subject you hated the most. Um, you know, what was that down to? Was it the subject itself, or was it a particular teacher? Um, I I mean, it's very possible that I've erased the bad things from my memory because they were that bad I don't know <laughs> I don't seem to carry anything like I didn't enjoy I did not like history I didn't enjoy it because the I mean I've I when I was an adult I got diagnosed with ADHD and I now realize that because I, I it's not that I don't like history it's this it's just that the I didn't respond to the way it was taught and that doesn't mean it's yeah. the wrong way to teach it it just meant that it wasn't the right way for me but yeah like Ms. Furley was my history teacher I remember and I loved her she's great I just did, didn't know how to remember dates or <laughs> you know had no interest in I couldn't understand why I had to know about Russia in the past I mean I, I understand now why revolutions are important to understand but yeah you know as a 15 16 year old I was like I don't why do I have to know what a czar is when am I ever going to need to know that so what what, what was sort so, of on the history yeah. curriculum in Australia because obviously in England we've you know right you're asking the wrong person 
well, I did. Uh, I studied. Um, well, it depends what, what year, I suppose. We did. We did do Indigenous studies, but we should have done more. Um, I've learned far more about what um, Australia's history is. Yeah. Not in school than I did in school. Right. I think that's coming around now, but it could yeah. always be improved on. Um, so, yeah, I think the main thing, I all I really remember, I remember doing a little bit on ancient Egypt at some point, I don't know, nice. around year eight or nine. And then, yeah, and then we did the Russian and French revolutions. That's all I remember. I can't, I honestly couldn't tell you anything else. <laughs> I don't know. I I didn't know about the wars. I didn't know about, yeah, anything. But I'm not, I think I might be saying more about myself than Australian education system, to be honest. <laughs> I think I, what I'm doing is digging myself a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that just comes down to my attention span at the time, not so much uh, what they had. We'll get, we'll get Mrs. Fairley on the podcast next week. And she'll be like, yeah, we covered uh, World War II, followed by. <laughs> yeah, she would. I've, fell asleep so much in that class as well I don't like she, I, it's amazing she liked me but I I fell asleep so much she just had the most calming voice she should yeah. like if she was if she was like a 20 year old now she would be an ASMR superstar on YouTube really like yeah. she would just she would be one of the voices on the car map she'd be <laughs> leading meditations and stuff she had like the most relaxing voice which yeah. was lovely, but sent me to sleep every time. Yeah. Uh, it's not that she was boring. I just, it was just really soothing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you needed to switch off after playing a 60 year old man all morning. You needed to, you know, chill I, out. I, I'd been spending all morning trying to get an opera made. <laughs> exactly. Now, what would you say was like your biggest flex at primary school? So we talk about this quite a lot on the podcast. You know, what yeah. we define as like a flex is something you you got to do. It might have been a job or a role or, you know, it'd be uh, Adam talks about the time he, get, he got to go to a doctor's appointment and then came back into school with a McDonald's. And that made him feel like, a, you know, a, a god King. for the day. <laughs> Yeah. You were so money supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. So is there anything like that from your school days that you you would just you love doing, you know? So we always talk about like when you get to represent your school at a sports tournament, and even if it was better if you got to leave earlier on in the day. So you're sort of walking through the class, just looking at everyone else, sort of acknowledging the fact that you're going to represent the you know, those sort of things. But is there yeah. anything like that from your school days? absolutely i've got two two in fact two flexes and they both tell you so much about the person that i became <laughs> which was uh in primary school we were doing um i don't know some class play and it was to i think it was to um a banjo patterson poem which is a very famous australian poet and uh there was a lot of sheep jumbucks we call them um in it so obviously pretty much most of the class were either sheep or uh um you know shearers yeah. and that was the two roles <laughs> and part of the play is that we all had to wear you know aussie hats and so our teacher was like we're gonna make the court cats 
So she showed everyone how to make a newspaper hat, you know, the triangular newspaper hat. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, got everyone to, to masking tape to put these dangling corks on the end and then paint them. And I was like, that looks ridiculous. Like, there's no rim. The corks are just <laughs> hanging across your face. Like, there's nothing. It doesn't even look like I was, I was fuming. I was like, there is definitely, we can definitely make something that looks like a proper hat. And I remember going to the art cupboard and pulling out this big sheet of card and, you know, making a strip and measuring it around my head and taping it and then putting it down and tracing a circle and cutting out the circle and, and uh, sticky taping that to the top of it. So I had like a little sort of cap thing. And then, and then I put that on top of another piece of card and just basically drew like a massive circle with a, with a smaller circle in it, taped that. So that was my rim. I, I just the shape of a hat, you know, out yeah, of hat yeah. because that's actually not that hard. Anyone could do it. I was furious at the teacher for not thinking of it because it was just, I was like, if I can think of this, like, I think I was like nine at the time. I was like, if I'm thinking <laughs> of this, you know, come on, up your game. Uh, it's been eight, actually. Ms. Maybe uh, her class. Maybe the teacher and, um, hadn't studied hours of art attack like, like yourself. I know, that's it. That's the problem yeah um but yeah I, I did that and she she'd said that she would give a, a mars bar or snickers one of the two to uh to whoever made the best hat and i made that one and it looked like a proper had all the dangling corks and everything nice. and uh, after i painted any, it it was very did impressive you not get any kids i got myself up? a chocolate bar <laughs> no in fact i had after that uh quite a few children started copying me so i was gonna say i mean if i felt like if you got the chocolate bar all the kids would be like, yeah, but she just went into the art company without permission. She just grabbed loads of cards without permission. <laughs> I, I mean, think we were given free reign. Yeah. What did you go for, Mars or Snickers? I can't remember which. It was only one of them, and I can't remember which one it was. I think it must have been a Mars, because I reckon yeah. they would have been careful about peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> not back in those days. They didn't. It wasn't. No, a... maybe not. Maybe it was peanuts with some, some yeah. arsenic on it. I don't know. Something <laughs> <laughs> that, that that story would have only been better if you when you, you realized that the, you... sorry when you when you realized that you the hat wasn't going to be good enough if you just turned to your teacher and went that's not an art attack this is yeah. an art attack and then off you went <laughs> soundtrack blaring in the background what i love about that is that you've you've combined the this is an art attack from art attack and yeah. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> With that, that's not a knife. This is that's a knife. not a knife. That's what you've done. That's where you've gone with that. That's not an art, yeah. art attack. This is an art attack. And now I really want. If I don't know if Jim will paint it, that uh, is still going. But I really want to see that. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that co cartoon artist. I really want to see him draw that now. Neil Buchanan as Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and that Absolutely. standoff. Um, and have you got any other funny stories from your school days on the podcast? We always share funny stories from school. So do you have any other? Yeah. Um, when I was in primary school, this always stands out to me. We did a school fair. So, you know, had all the stalls and stuff. And one of our teachers, like they had a, like a stocks and, you know, you can pay 20 cents and throw a sponge at a teacher, you know, <laughs> yeah. while they're in the stocks to raise money. And, uh, if you paid a dollar, 
Yeah, so if you paint a dollar, you could throw an entire bucket of water at them. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, it's going to be brilliant. I was like, got all my friends and I was like, watch this. I've got a dollar. Like, you know, I was like, this is an investment because what happens is I lose a dollar, but everyone sees me chuck a bucket of water at this teacher. This is going to be amazing. I like, gathered everyone and I paid a dollar and then I picked up the bucket and uh, held some reason I'd never thrown a bucket of water before so I sort of you know when you go like over over your head like with a basketball yeah so I sort of pulled the bucket behind my head above my head and and then just proceeded to turn it over and took the entire thing over myself <laughs> which was obviously hilarious to everyone watching but I was mortified that I just paid a dollar to dump water all over myself in front of all of my friends and a completely dry teacher so um i uh I burst into tears which you couldn't tell because i was so wet so that was the, the fortunate thing but yeah absolutely shame. mortified still remember it to it's day. a shame it wasn't mr t in the in the stocks i'm pretty the fool <laughs> <laughs> when you soaked yourself <laughs> I was going to say if it was his Mrs. Did. Fairley. I did pity this one. If Mrs. Fairley was, was in not, the stocks. It was a primary. And just no, saying. Oh, yeah. She's uh, falling asleep. Don't go. Yeah. Don't go too harsh. And then by the time she finished the sentence, she just, <laughs> it just knocked out. Just drown. My head, my head flops into the bucket and then I drown. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've done that stocks thing at a school fair. And I was in the stocks one year. And it was like oh, yeah. um, sponges. Um but the problem was they kept putting the, the kids kept putting the sponges on the floor and it was like the playground, but it was quite gravelly. Yeah. Oh. So, soon enough, it started off all right, just getting a bit wet. Soon enough, I'm getting scrapes and scratches from all this gravel <laughs> in the sponges. I came out looking like I'd gone like 10 rounds. I was an absolute state. Oh my gosh. I had to stop when one went in my eye. I was like, no, that's enough. That's yeah. Enough. Yeah. It was pretty grim. <laughs> I'm not bothered since, but I'll tell you what, we raised loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> One positive. Which then went to your hospital bills. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. So we're going to finish with the question we always ask our guests, which is this one. If you had a time machine and you could travel mm -hmm. back and meet your 10 year old self, what advice would you give them? Ah, uh, uh... Don't go to London. No, no, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> invest in face masks. It'll pay off. Yeah. Um, I think the main one uh, would be, I would, I was probably about, I reckon about 12 or 13 when I stopped. I loved writing creatively. I used to just sit down and write stories all the time instead of watching tv which i find really strange yeah and i stopped around i entered a competition and you know in school and uh and didn't win and weirdly i don't remember being upset or anything but i think subconsciously in my head i just thought well that means i'm i'm this isn't meant to be and i just stopped slowly stopped writing and doing other stuff yeah. and i love writing I really love it. And it may, it eventually came out, you know, while I was writing stand up and stuff, you know, I would find moments to put in little stories and, and uh, narratives and stuff like that. 
but uh, when I did finally decide to sit down and write narrative again, it was a lot harder than I expected because, you know, it's like picking up anything you haven't done in ages. And it's not that it's hard to think of anything. It's just uh, weirdly sort of, you know, I think when I was a kid, I was just so excited to get on the page and meet my characters. Yeah. And it feels like the motivation is so much harder when you haven't done it in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish I'd kept doing that. I feel like I would, I, I feel like I would have been in a stronger position mentally for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, I hope it hasn't had too much of a, negative impact on my actual writing itself but um i think i would have been more prepared for it <laughs> mentally yeah um yeah but i'm learning to love like i i'm I like well learning to i do love it um and i'm learning to get in the motivation is coming back and i'm starting to feel more and more like i did when i was like 10 or 11 and just you know banging out these stories like i yeah. as the more i do it the more i fall back into that childhood joy Um, and I guess that's the same for anyone who stops doing something they love doing as a kid you know you've got to get back into it and keep doing it till you remember what it's like to love something as a kid yeah and 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 if you find that it's not like work is it you don't look at it as a job or something onerous you can really just enjoy it yeah good oh yeah exactly I was nearly late for this interview because I was I I I was I did not want to tear myself away from my laptop because I'm quite excited where things are at right now and I, <laughs> and I thought but I've been writing for hours I've been writing all day you know yeah. I've got to do this and then I've got to do boring adult things like make dinner but, <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah if I if I didn't have this I would still be writing and I probably wouldn't eat so it's probably a good thing that we're doing this. I can I can see in a year or two's time obviously you're rediscovering your inner child there'll be a range of court cats released <laughs> <laughs> You'd have found the passion ones. I hope so. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's cultural appropriation. <laughs> That'd be uh, be lovely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Um, the book you Horror too. Heights: The Slime is out now. From every, you can get it everywhere. Um, perfect read for what? What age group would you say? it would be aimed at uh, i would say eight plus, eight, so plus. It's eight to twelve yeah but, um i would i would uh say that you know if you're over 12 that doesn't mean that you, you won't enjoy it yeah yeah and uh yeah all the best with everything else going going forward thank you so so much for joining us thanks thank for having you. me no thank you Great Big Owl dot com.